Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1, a real famous set of verses in the Bible. And I wanted to preach on the potter. Jeremiah chapter 18. I don't know if y'all read this uh, weekend that there was another 7.2 earthquake down in Mexico. I think they just had one, I guess last week or maybe a week or two ago in was it, Taiwan where they had that hotel. Real graphic, marvelous, uh, incredible looking picture of that hotel kind of sunk in. It was all caved in and over in Taiwan where they had that huge earthquake. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, in the end times, one of the signs to look for, he said, there'll be earthquakes in diverse places, in different places. So you've seen all these major earthquakes, just one after another, after another, after another. Uh, yeah, wake up. The Lord's about to come back. He's about to come back, and I can't wait for him to come back. You know, it'd be wonderful if the Lord just come back tonight. Amen. We wouldn't have to worry. No more having to pray for our loved ones. No more having to worry about bills. No more having to worry. He'd just come back, and we're out of here. I mean, and they can leave. They can have this world. <laughs> they can have every bit of it. They can have all the media. They can have all the, the Hollywood. They can have all their their love for what the things of love, the things the world loves. They can have all of that. But I would love just to wake up and be in the arms of Jesus and be in heaven and walk on those streets of gold, see all my loved ones that went on before. I can't wait. I really can't wait to see Jesus Christ. And you know, we preach about Jesus Christ. Y'all were singing so good about and to Jesus Christ, but you know, we never have seen Him. We've never laid our eyes on Him. You know, we're all in here singing and praising the Lord Jesus Christ, and not a one of us has seen Him. That's faith, and that's how He wants us to live, but there's going to come a time where we don't have to live by faith. We can live by sight, Amen. and we can actually see it. And can you imagine, if we had that much joy right now singing to Jesus Christ, can you imagine when we see Him in all His glory? I can't wait. I can't wait. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. And there will I cause thee to hear my words. So God tells Jeremiah, the Lord tells Jeremiah, He says, I want you to get up and go down to the potter's house, and there will I cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, verse 3, and behold, the, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. You know, the Lord in that story right there, as he tells Jeremiah to go down, the Lord in that story is that potter. He said, I'm that potter. Now, everybody in here that was, have been in here for a couple of more years, you were in here when Brother Ingesath came through here, and uh, he worked the pottery. You know, he has that pottery ministry. So y'all have in y'all's mind what it could have looked like as he sits there and that, that pottery's spinning and he's taking that clay and he's do, working that clay and then he puts it on and he puts, takes that water and he's building up that, just that, that vase. A lot of y'all were in here when he was building up that vase as he watched that vase be built. And that's what the Lord's wanting, wanting for Jeremiah to see. He wants him to see that. And he says, arise and go down to the potter's house. Well, if the Lord is the potter, What's the potter's house? Well, on top, that is the church. That's this place right here. That's the places all over America. That's the potter's house. 
That's the church's house. And what will you find if you go down to the potter's house? Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there, and there, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. You want to hear God's words? You need to get into church. And when I don't mean just this building or just you need to get around a bunch of believers that are preaching God's words. You want to hear God's words are down at the potter's house. He says, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. You're going to hear some good preaching. You're going to hear God's words, the Bible. That's where you need to get down to is at the church. A lot of people argue with me about going to church. It just amazes me. The attitude America has about church, and to me, that's the best place going in America is the churches. When I'm in here and I have some financial problems, I know the church can help me. If I have some physical problems, I know the church is going to help me get, get what I need to get done and pray for me. I know there's fellowship here. I know there's peace here. I know there's people going to give me a hug and love on me here. I don't know what the problem is people have with church. I don't see no problem. They say, well, there's hypocrites in the church. Well, there's hypocrites down at Walmart. There's hypocrites down at the bank. I mean, I work with a bunch of hypocrites. I mean, I know we're all a bunch of hypocrites. Amen. I mean, nobody's in here trying to be something we're not. But when you get in here and you get, see, when you get in here and you get to praising Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit gets moving around and there's different, the Holy Spirit's moving around us, there's something you can just feel it as the Holy Spirit's moving in a place. When his people are there singing praises to Jesus Christ, the Lord has spoke to me more at a church than any other place. And I'm not talking about just as a preacher preaching. I'm talking about being right where you're at, sitting in the congregation, listening to a preacher preach, and the Holy Spirit just come in and start talking to my heart. It might not, be, it might not have nothing to do with that, what that preacher's talking about. And the preacher might be preaching about something totally different, and I'll be sitting there, and all of a sudden the Lord will speak to my heart and start moving on me. And he changes me in the church. I've been changed more at the church. I've hit my knees and begged to God more at a church. I've gotten right with God more at a church. You know, talking about the Holy Spirit moving, a lot of people have this idea about the Holy Spirit moving into churches, a bunch of people jumping up and screaming and hollering and maybe speaking in tongues or rolling out in the aisles. Man, I've been in a big congregation when the Holy Spirit moves, and it's nothing like that. Rex Harrison would get on a piano there at Pensacola Bible Baptist. He'd get to playing, man. He'd get to singing about Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, he'd get to singing about Jesus Christ, and you could just feel the Holy Spirit coming in there, man. And you could hear a pin drop a mile away, man. It's, he starts singing about Jesus Christ, and people are amening, and the, your, your heart's just filling with love and joy as he's singing about how good God's been. And then, I'll never forget it, as he's singing, he would start singing about Lord, if you want to take away my family, if you want to take away my lands, if you want to take away my wife, if you want to take away my kids, whatever it takes to get me closer to you, Lord. He starts singing a song about that, brothers and sisters. I remember I was sitting there and I was just weeping, just tears, just weeping. And I remember I looked over at my friends that were going to school with me and they were all weeping. And I looked over to the right of me and there's old Chad Reese and he's weeping. And I looked around and you, could, you, you couldn't hear a it just, oh, there's a hush. As the Holy Spirit comes in and the Holy Spirit starts coming in, what does the Holy Spirit do when He starts moving on your heart? He wants you to start getting right. Amen. You're going to go down to the potter's house. You're going to meet the potter, and the potter's going to start working on you. And you're going to hear His words. Then I went down to the potter's house, verse 3, and behold, and behold He wrought a work on the wheels. 
So what God's going to tell Jeremiah, he's going to tell Jeremiah, he says, I want you to go down and watch this potter as he's working. He's working on this wheel and he's making these vessels and he's making these pots and he's working on this clay. I want you to go down and I want you to watch him. You know, God can use everyday things in your life to speak to your heart. Amen. He can use the work you're watching, things you're watching at work. Things you, uh, he uses animals for me a lot of times, but uh, just watch things. Watch how things work. God can, and that's what he's going to do. He's going to use uh, somebody working and he's going to show what he can do in their heart, what he can do in their life as a work. He can speak to your heart that way. You know, uh, when Brother Huggins was in here and he was doing the, the, doing the chalk drawing, remember he was telling the story about how he had to give his dog a flea bath because his dog would get fleas. So his dog would hear that water running. Remember what he told him? He said that dog would go hide underneath the bed. You remember he told him he went and got that, that little bitty dog and that dog was just shivering and he'd go over there and he, he was washing that dog. Remember what he was saying? He said he, got the, he put that dog in that bath and he was washing that dog and all of a sudden God just went, <laughs> spoke to his heart and said, that's you. You've got sin and you don't want them washed. And I want to wash you, but you keep running from me. Remember he was using that illustration, but he, God was using an everyday thing going on in his life to speak to his heart of how, what God wants to do in his life. Guys, if we just stop and look at what's going on in our life, it don't matter what you're doing in life and work or whatever, God can just speak to your heart in your everyday life. Uh, God's, one of the most amazing things is watching a carpenter work, Amen. Just watching a carpenter work and taking a piece of wood and sanding it down and seeing a carpenter take a piece of wood and all the things. And that's what's going on with this clay, but you, with the clay and the potter, but with the carpenter, all the things. Jesus Christ was a carpenter's son. And he would take that car and all the way he'd work that wood and he doesn't, he doesn't want soft wood. He wants hard wood. There's certain woods he wants to use and that wood smells so good when he's working it. And it, guys, God could speak to you hard all the things he wants to do in your life, just if you'll stop and watch and say, Lord, show me. I see a lot of this in animals, and the Bible tells us to go consider the ants in Proverbs. Look at how the ants do. And Jesus Christ says, consider the ravens. You can look at these animals, you know, driving back and forth up here to church. I see this all the time with deer. Driving down the road, and I see deer, and they'll, they'll be sitting on the road, and, I'm, and, and the first thing I say when I see a deer, don't move. Don't you dare move. And that deer is watching me. And that deer takes a couple of steps. Don't you move. Don't you. Don't you move, you stupid deer. Don't, and that deer runs right out in front of me. Waits till the last second. It's, it, it's fear. And it teaches me something about fear. How you, you, fear can overtake you and it can cause you to kill yourself. Amen. I see that all the time in deer, how stupid they are with the fear, fear overcome. If they just stand still, I, I wouldn't hit them. I'd go around them, but they got to. And, and you see that with squirrel. I see that in squirrels with indecision in squirrels. <laughs> Here comes a squirrel, and you're like, okay. And then he stops, and he runs this way. And then you're getting a little closer, and then he runs this way. And, then, and it's indecision. And it ends up killing that squirrel as you run him over. God can show you so much. I, I see a lot of arrogance in cats. Amen. Yeah, amen. I see a lot of arrogance in cats. When I see a cat, I see a lot of arrogance in cats. And what's that saying go? When you pet, when you pet a dog, he, says, uh, he looks up at you and says, this must be God. And when you pet a cat, he looks at you and says, I am God. That's a cat. Arrogant. It's only going to do what it wants to do when it wants to do it. When I see a dog, a dog is worthless and sorry and nasty. But when you get a dog with a good owner that has a good master, that can be one of the best pets you could ever have. Loyal, loyal. 
sit around and wait for its master, do anything for its master. The master can come and kick it, and that dog will run off and then come right back to his master with his tail between his legs. That's loyalty. God can show you these things, but he wants you to go down and look at this stuff. He's showing Jeremiah, I want you to look at this stuff. You know, there was a preacher that was preaching a lot like me in an old rural farm community, and there was a farmer guy got to hold some farmland, and, he, and that preacher told that farmer, he goes, Brother, man, since the Lord and you got a hold of that land, he said, man, it looks so wonderful. You've done such a wonderful job. And uh, that, that Lord's done a wonderful job on that land. And that, that, that farmer told that preacher, well, you should have seen that land before when the Lord just had it, before I got a hold of it and the Lord just had it. What is he saying? He's saying, I put a lot of hard work into that. And before the Lord, when it was just the Lord's, it was laying there desolate. But when me and the Lord got together, he's not trying to take the credit away from the Lord. He's trying to point out that there's a lot of hard work going in there, brother. And the Lord can use hard work. And the Lord uses hard work in people's lives. If you want to work hard, he can do something for you. He really can. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. He takes that clay and he puts it on that wheel. And what does that clay do? It just spins and spins and spins. That's life. Life is like a wheel. You get up, you eat, you drink, you go to work, you go to bed, you get up, you eat, drink. It's day in and day out. That's life. It's like a wheel. It's just never ending. One day comes to another, and before you know it, it's spring, and then it's summer, and then it's winter, and then it's spring, and it's summer, and it's winter. It says year after year, day after day, week after week. That's life. It's not a movie. That's what people get, they're getting all messed up watching movies. Because in the movies, they never show somebody filling up the dishwasher, or washing the dishes, or doing the clothes, or... Are, they, never, they show the people in the movies and they're having this great romantic relationship and oh he's got her and they're, they're living the dream and they're, but they never show the man having to take out the trash and her getting up and she don't have her makeup on and looking like death and they don't show him <laughs> picking his nose and scratching his rear end they don't ever show none of that that's life what is it that brother George loves to say love is blind but marriage is eye opener yeah yeah but the world's got you fooled, because that is life. It's just a will. And it brings about to a lot of us who don't know Jesus Christ, before I got saved, it brings about the question is, what is the meaning of life? Is this all there is? As the wheel of life just circles. And you start looking for the meaning of life. And the world will come rushing in and say, well, the meaning of life is to get rich. And to be successful and to be famous. If you could just be famous, if you could just be rich, if you, if you could just be successful, you would have, that would be life fulfilling. But then I look at people who have accomplished these things, and they're nine times out of ten very miserable people. And they get to that point and they're not very happy. There's more to life than just the wheel that turns. What is the meaning of life? Well, it's not fulfilled in the world. It's fulfilled in God. It's fulfilled in serving God, worshiping God, pleasing God. There's, there's a joy in life. When Jesus Christ says, I'll give you life and I'll give it to you more abundantly. 
And he was telling people to give away their goods. And he was telling people how to live and to forgive their enemies. He said, I'll give you a life and it'll be a more abundant life. There's a meaning to life and I can give it to you, Jesus Christ said. And it's an abundant life. It's not the life the world sees. Because Jesus Christ says, everything that's highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. All these things that you see that are so highly esteemed. Right now, it's Olympics. Everything's about the Olympics and what's going on with the Olympics. And it, before that, it was a Super Bowl. It's all about, that's what the world puts its politicians and politics. And that's what the world puts all their focus on. And God says, Jesus Christ reminds you that if that's highly esteemed among men, that's an abomination to God. There's more to life than what you're living as you're spinning on that wheel. Everybody is spinning on the wheel. <laughs> Everybody, I don't care who you are, you're spinning on that wheel. But there's a life, there's a meaning to life if you let God give it to you. And that's what he's trying to show Jeremiah. There's life, it's spinning, and there's a potter, and I'm that potter, and you're that clay, and I want to work on you. I want to work on you if you'll let me. The only way to get meaning in your life is to allow God to put his hands on you. See, you're spinning on that wheel. And I'm going to tell you this morning, you might not realize it, but there's one or two people who have got their hands on your life. You're either allowing the devil and the world to put their hands on your life, or you can allow God, through Jesus Christ, to put his hands on your life. It's one or the other. And this morning, you're under one of the other's hands. And the only way you're going to get meaning in life is to allow God to put his hands on your life. I tell brothers, you know, that uh, are living a good life and everything, they say, well, you know, you're having to drive. You're at that little church. You're driving 40 minutes one way. You're doing this for the Lord. You're doing that. Do you, are you, I'm happy as I can be. I, I know I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. Now, if you would have told me 15 years ago, hey, I'm going to send you out to this little church out there that's 40 minutes away, and you're going to be out there for 12 years, and you're going to be, I would have just cried and screamed and just... <laughs> But you know what happened is there was a time in Brother Keegan's life that I said, you know what, Lord? I want you to put your hands on my life. And I'll let you use me. I don't know what that means, Lord. That might mean you're going to send me to Brazil. That might mean you might, you might gonna be send me to Africa. You might have me just sitting in a pew. Lord, I don't know, but I want to allow you to put your hands on my life. The Lord says, come here, I got something for you. And he started working. You know, one of the greatest preachers I've ever even read about was a man named Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody. And they wanted to have Dwight L. Moody into this big city for a revival. And they were saying, let's bring in Dwight L. Moody. And one of the young preachers that didn't care for Dwight L. Moody, because Dwight L. Moody was very uncouth. He's a lot, a lot like, that's why I like him so much. He wasn't educated. He didn't go to college. He wasn't very well spoken, but he could tell great stories. I like Dwight L. Moody. And this young preacher didn't like him because he wasn't educated. He said, does, does uh, Duardo Moody have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Do we have to have Duardo Moody come in? Because, I mean, does Duardo Moody, Moody have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? Because this other guy could come in and preach, and this other preacher could come. Why do we have to have Duardo Moody? And it was really quiet for a long time. And then one of the old preachers stood up in the back, and he said, you know what? Duardo Moody doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Dwight Moody. Amen. See, there's a difference. Is that Dwight Moody was allowing the Holy Spirit to use him. 
Some people make a business out of this. Some, pe some preachers make a job out of it. And God says, I don't want you to run it. Let me run it. Amen. Take your hands off of it and let me put my hands on it. Amen. You got to get your hands off of it and let the Lord put his hands on it. Dwight O. Moody had let the Holy Spirit have a monopoly on him. William Booth, well, y'all might know the name William Booth. He's the one that created the Salvation Army. And it was a, a course created as a ministry to get people saved, the Salvation Army. And they asked, well, uh, asked William Booth about his success, and he says, there's been men with greater brains. He said, there's been men with greater opportunity. He said, but my secret is, God has had all there was of me. God has had all there was of me. That's his secret. He says, I'm not any, I don't have more brains than anybody else or more opportunity. The difference was is I allowed God to use me more than a lot of other people would. Will you allow God to use you? Will you get on the wheel? You're already on the wheel. Will you allow him to put his hands on your life and use you? Amen. He will do something great. Amen. Amen. And then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay, look at verse 4. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again. Another vessel that seemed good to the potter to make it. Oh, so many of us have a life that's been marred. Yep. And it's our fault. And the potter puts it in there, and the potter's working on that clay, and there's an air pocket in there. And the Lord puts his hand on you, and you, you kind of you get to moving around a little bit. You get to squirming a little bit as God tries to put his hand on your life to, to work something in your life, and you get to moving around a little bit. And it gets marred. But he says, so he made it again. Oh, I love those words. Because see, he didn't take that lump of clay and throw it to the side. What did Brother, what did brother Ingesad do when he was making that, when he was, when he was making that pottery, and he was in here, and he was working that pottery, and you'd watch him, and he had already worked it out, and he got it on that, and he's working it, and then something would happen. What did he do? He would take it off of that wheel, and he would slam it on that board, and he'd start working it again. Y'all remember that? He'd work it again, and he'd take that piece of clay up there and slam it on that, and he'd get that wheel to going again, and there he'd go. Working that. Make it again. That's a blessing to me. Because what I love about the Lord God is He's a God of second chances. And third chances. And fourth. And fifth. And sixth. And seventh. Do I need to keep going? <laughs> the Lord is a God of many, many, many ultimate chances. And that's what I love about him is, man, I mess up so much, guys. And I know the Lord is there. And he said, yeah, I, get back on up here. I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to put my hands back on you. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. You know, uh, I don't mean to use you as an illustration, Carolyn. Illustration, Sister Carolyn, but I'm going to. Because it was a real blessing to me to live through this. But when Brother Enseth came in the first time, he made a pot just like this. But it wasn't glazed yet. Sister Carolyn was cleaning the church and, and it slipped out of her hand and it broke. And man, it was in a 200 pieces. So me and Brother Gary, we love Sister Carolyn. 
And we knew she was really upset about that because she took it on her heart that it was my own, which it wasn't her fault, but she took it on her heart that it was her fault. So me, me and Brother Gary got to talking, and we're like, we're going to glue this back together. We can glue it back together. You know, me and Brother Gary, we really believed in our heart that we're going to glue this thing back together. You know what me and Brother Gary found out? It don't work that way. <laughs> and we love Sister Carolyn. We wanted every way in our heart to make that right. We wanted to fix that for Sister Carolyn and where she wouldn't have to worry. And it would just, and I told Brother, I think he told Brother Gary, that would make a perfect illustration, Brother. We'll have a pot up there and it'll be all cracked up, but we'll get glue it all. It'll make a perfect illustration. It don't work that way. And Brother Ingesath was way back in Tennessee when that happened. But if Brother Ingesath was here, you know what Brother Ingesath would have had to have done? He would have took all those pieces of clay and he would have got them wet again and he would have worked them again and he could have made them another pot. Just like God can do with your life. And it might have even been a better looking pot. When he came in, we got another one, amen. And we got it glazed. That's, in the, that's been in the potter's hand. You know what's amazing about this right here? Is that looks like that was really easy to do, doesn't it? It's not. You get to getting up there, you say, oh, I'll try this. You know, because you see him and he's working it and then he goes, whoop, and he goes like that, like that. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's so neat. That's so easy. Uh, <laughs> no, he's letting me mess with it a little bit. And I found out real quick, no, you don't want me putting my hands on your life. You don't want somebody else putting their hands on your life. You want a potter like God putting his hands on your life. Amen for that. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again, another vessel that seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse 6, O house of Israel, cannot I do, cannot I do with you as this potter? Good question. Yes, you can, Lord. This morning, do you believe that God, if you allow Him to put His hands on you, do you believe that God can do something in your life? Amen. Now, you might not believe it completely. You might be doubting a little bit. But let me tell you something. As somebody that's working for the Lord, yes, He can. Now, I just read you, Brother uh, Levita's prayer letter. What did he say? What did they say? Praise the Lord. It's the best, it's the best job we've ever had. It's, he, they, they were saying how... Working for the Lord is the, having the, it's like having the best boss. I'm telling you, getting under this potter, when he starts working on your life, man, it, there's nobody better. There's nobody better. And the Lord says, cannot I do with you as this potter? You just got to have faith. You got to have faith that he can work in your life. You got to have faith that he can do what he says he can do. Amen. If you don't have faith, then you're lost. It's done before it even got started. But if you can have a faith like the grain of a mustard seed, he can do something in your life. You start out with a little bit of faith and he can move. There's nobody who has faith. You can't have enough faith for what God wants you to do. He's going to have to give it to you. But it's like uh, in my life, in my, in my ministry, in everything I've done, what I do is I try to describe it to brother. When Brother Huggins came in, we were talking there at Underwoods. And I was trying to tell him, I, I'm just like one of those brothers. that I just get into the car, and I get my engine started, and I make sure that the wheel's turning. And then I say, okay, God, I'm going to start out, and then you're going to have to steer me. <laughs> and I just start working for the Lord. And you know what I notice about the Lord? When I start working for the Lord, he'll start moving me back over here where he wants me. And if he don't want me going through that door, man, he closes that door and there's no way I can get in there. And he'll move me over here and before long he'll move me right out here to Indian Gap. 
I didn't say, Lord, I want to go to Indian Gap. When Brother Tuck came and talked to me about going to Indian Gap, you know what the first question was I had was, where's Indian Gap? <laughs> where you doing? Where you been living in Brownwood? I said, all my life. I know where Indian Creek is, but I never heard of Indian Gap. You know where Pretty is? Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, out there. The point is, is that the, you don't know what the Lord's going to do with you. <laughs> but if you have faith and say, Lord, I believe that you can do something marvelous with my life and wonderful. I want to take my hands off of this. I want to take the devil's hands off of this. I want your hands, Father, to be on my life. And I want you to do it. O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. There's the illustration, guys. Y'all know it. As he works on that clay and he marks it up and he makes a beautiful thing. And even if you get it marred up, he'll start over again. You just get on that wheel and allow God to put his hands on your life. One of the things that Dwight O. Moody said, oh man, Dwight, he always had it right. He said the difference between man and clay is that man can resist the potter's hand. That's right. When that Brother Ingesath would take that clay and throw it on that wheel and start working it, i never seen that clay jump off that wheel and run off. Where's it going? It stayed right there. But so many of us, man, we get on that wheel and we get God to letting us work. And what happens with, when God starts working you? Sometimes he has to take you off that wheel and he slams you down on that table and he starts kneading you. And he's taking all those impurities out. He's pushing this out. And then when he gets you ready, he takes you and he throws you back on that wheel again. Oh, here we go. And man, it's not, it's not fun. When life's spinning around on that wheel, it's not fun when, sometimes when the Lord's working on you. He's, man, he's stretching you out. You're like, oh, Lord, I don't know about this. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you, somebody who's looking back on what the Lord's done in my life is worth every second. Amen. It's worth every second. Because I know I was doing what the Lord wanted me to do. Hey, it might not have been pretty. I just know that it was fruitful because the Lord was in it. Amen. Amen. And I thank the Lord for that. So I have a question in closing this morning. Who is your potter? Amen. Who is your potter? Is Jesus Christ, are you allowing God, Jesus Christ through the Lord Father to be your potter? Amen. I know a lot of us say, amen, yes he is. But is he? Are you, allow, are you jumping off the wheel and running off? Just because the Lord's just got started working in your life and it's maybe something not going the way you think it should go? We all have our ideas of how it should go, amen. And we want, our, we want it to look a certain way, we want it to be a certain color, but God says, no, I've got you, I want you to look just this way. Because that's what I need, is that right there. And maybe I need something smaller over here, and maybe I need something bigger over here, but right there in Indian Gap, that's what I need. And I've shaped him, and I've molded him, and that's where I want him, and they've let me put my hands on them. But if the devil's got his hands on you, you're in trouble. And he'll fool you. Because see, the devil's way is to make it as easy and smooth as he can. Because he doesn't want you jumping off the wheel. 
So he'll make it easy and smooth. And man, if you step back, that's the ugliest looking thing. But it sure was smooth and it sure was the easy way. Because you hadn't let God get a hold of you. And if you're in, this, in here this morning and you've got a lot of sin in your life and you're ugly and you've been letting the devil and the world get a hold of your life, when you first, let the God, when you first receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and you let God put His hands on your life, it's going to be a little rough at first. Amen. It will be. You're going to be a little uncomfortable. Your friends are not going to see you the same way. Because see, to them, you look pretty good. But when God starts getting a hold of you, you're not going to look good to the world anymore. Because what the Lord says looks good, the world don't think looks good. But if you'll let him start working on you, I'm telling you, friend, brother and sister, or even if you're lost, he'll do amazing work in your life, but you've got to get on the wheel and let him put his hands on you. And he'll change you. Do you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? If you don't, we're going to give you an invitation this morning to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. It's really easy. Do you believe in his death, his burial, and his resurrection? Scripture says you need to believe in His death, His burial, and His resurrection. You need to know that when you're receiving Jesus Christ, He's paying for your sins. And you've got to know that there's no way you could pay for your sins. Amen. You believe in His death, burial, and resurrection, you're willing to confess. Or, sorry, other words say, I know I'm a sinner, and I know Jesus Christ, you're my Savior, and I need to be saved. It's a real simple process. All you do is you just bow your head, and you pray, and you say, Jesus Christ, I know I'm going to hell I need you. I want you to cleanse me and wash me. I want you to save me. Lord, I don't understand everything, but Lord, will you save me? All you have to do is ask. He'll say, yeah, save you. But then the next question I have for you is, are you going to let him put his hands on your life? Are you going to let him put his hands on your life? Or are you going to get saved and then say, okay, I'm a, I'm a vessel of God. I'm a clay that belongs to God, but I'm going to come over to the world. I'm going to let the devil work on me in the world, and I'm going to sit on this wheel and let the devil put his hands on me. If you're a Christian in here this morning and you've let the devil get his hands on you, you need to get them off and jump back over here and say, Lord, I want you. I don't want my hands on my life. I don't want the devil's hands on my life. I don't want the world. I want your hands on my life, Lord. Will you put them on me? And that's what the Lord's going to say. Can I not change you? You know what Jesus Christ said? He said, they're in my hand in John chapter 10. When you're saved, you're in the hands of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now you need to let him work on you. And stop, there and stop letting the devil come in and work on you. And the world and let the, the media and the news and everybody else work on you. And your friends and your relatives. Stop letting everybody else touch your life and let the Lord get a, get a piece of it. And see what he can do. Like I told a young man that I knew was saved but wasn't living right, I said, you've tried everything else. Why don't you just try Jesus Christ? Amen. It's, your way's not working, obviously. Why don't you try to go the way of Jesus Christ? Because I have, and it's the best way you can go. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Lord, as we give this invitation, if there's somebody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord, Lord, and Savior, Father, we just pray that you'll work on their heart. Lord, and as we give the invitation, they'll come on down here and get right with you, Lord God, and get saved. If there's somebody, Lord God, that's dealing with some stuff this morning, Lord God, Father, I just pray as we give the invitation, Lord, they want to come down to the altar, whatever they want to do, Lord, maybe right there in the pew. They can just bow their head, Lord God, and get right with you, Lord. But, Father, I just pray your Holy Spirit will move among us. Lord, thank you for being a potter. Lord, you don't have to care for us. You don't have to want to put your hands on our life, Lord God, but we thank you that you do. 
We thank you, Lord, that you, Lord God, that you care enough, Father, that you do want to put your hands on our life. You do want to shape us, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's have an invitation, brothers. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.